Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you've gifted us the power of your Holy Spirit. He reveals to us that truth, that truth that you laid out so long ago, the truth of your divine love, that you as creator loved us in your creation, that you and your love come after us, calling us, beckoning us, changing our hearts to redeem us from our sins. I ask you, O Lord, to bless this congregation and all those who hear, that we may hear the word of God, see the word of God, and come to know him face to face to the resurrection of our own bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's what conventional wisdom tells us. Or as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Now perhaps you heard over the weekend the news that the Church of England has departed from the faith by blessing what God has never blessed. I'm referring, of course, to their vote at General Synod to bless so-called same-sex relationships. And if any vote by man could change what God has spoken, they put themselves before God. They deny the very authority of His Word, thinking that a vote of man could ever change the will, the authority, the power, the revelation of God to us. And there are those who fear, is this the end of the Anglican Communion? But I assure you, the only fear that we should have is the fear of God Almighty. It's easy in times like these to feel as though you're alone, that you're like Elijah, alone and complaining to the Lord God, that I, even I alone, am left. But like Elijah, we need to hear the Lord's reply when he reveals to Elijah, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Christian, the Lord is planting. The Lord is watering. The Lord is shining forth his light of his sun upon a crop that he will reap upon the last day. The Spirit of the Lord is moving and is calling out to his people to repentance and to faith. So we should not put our hopes in princes in kings and nations or in synods. That's why we confess in the 21st article of religion that when a general council of the church gathers together as an assembly of men and they're not governed by the Spirit and the Word of God, they may err and sometimes have erred in things pertaining unto God. And I would add that especially, and they definitely err, when they are not governed by the Spirit and the Word of God. And that's what we have here. That's what we're seeing across the pond. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us to see the Church of England walking down this broad road that leads to destruction, because the seeds that lead to her destruction were planted long ago by clergy and laity alike who chipped away at the authority of Scripture and denied, replaced it with the philosophy of man in place of God. Instead, like the serpent, we have listened and been deceived. Did God really say, as we heard in Genesis this morning? And hear also the words of scriptures in St. Paul to the Galatians. Be ye not deceived. Be ye not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, they shall also 
reap. But today, I want to talk about different seeds that come from a different sower. Not the seeds that we sow, for we will truly reap what we sow as sinful humans from our broken hearts, disfigured and looking in upon ourselves, making idols instead of worshiping the one true God. Instead, I want to talk about the sower that the Lord Jesus Christ talked about, that he taught his disciples and his listeners in a parable about God sowing good seeds. In the gospel lesson from today, from Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, we are privy to the Lord telling us a parable and explaining it to his disciples. And we commonly call this parable, this passage, it's the parable of the sower. But I think it would be more accurate to call it the parable of the soils. For Christ is emphasizing the soul that is being received by this word of God, the seed of God. And Christ explains that that very seed that is being cast is the very word of God. And as we know from John, in his very first chapter, the word of God, the living God, is Christ Jesus himself, the son of God, son of man. And this seed, the word of God, it hits along a path. It hits soil that's among rocks, and soil that's thick with thorns, like those thorns that we heard of in the curse from the Lord God in Genesis 3 this morning. That now, when man works by the sweat of his brow, he will produce bread. The thorns and thistles will make it difficult. And only some fell upon the good soil, according to Jesus. So what we see is four types of soul, with only one bearing growth that lasts, that produces and produces over abundantly. That first soul that we see that receives the word is trampled by the feet of those walking along the path. And this trampling we learn from the Lord is from the devil, who Christ explains, takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The same devil in the form of the serpent who took the word of God, the commands of God, and twisted it in the garden for mankind's own sin and destruction. He continues his work to diminish faith in God. But there's an irony here. While Satan tramples the proclamation of the word in the hearts of men, it's Satan who is trampled underfoot by Christ Jesus. Trampled underfoot by the new Adam, as promised also in Genesis when we are exiled from the garden. It is Satan who will be trampled as Christ continues his journey that we're joining as we prepare our hearts in this pre-Lent for Lent, a journey towards the cross. Where though there be a nail in Christ's feet, it is through that nail that he tramples our oppressor, tramples Satan himself, and takes away the sin of the world. For it is Jesus who will conquer as he tramples on all of our enemies, beginning with trampling Satan under his feet, as we were promised long ago. As our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve, were promised by the word of God himself in the garden. And the second soul, it fares much the same because of the rocky soul. That soul mixed with rocks of testing, of trials, of temptation. The rocks break up the soul. How many times have we experienced, especially in our neck of the woods, trying to grow something and hitting rocks right there, or hitting that hard clay. And like so many who are on this sojourn that is known as life, although they may receive the word of God with joy at first, that long and hard road 
of trials, temptations, of testing, overwhelms and overtakes them. They neglect and forget their first love, Christ Jesus. And it reminds me and brings to my attention Revelation 2, when the Lord Jesus Christ tells the church at Ephesus that they have abandoned the love that you had at first. Abandon the love that you had at first. As we heard from St. Paul just a couple of Sundays ago, we run a race and we must finish that race. But those who let the rocks of trials, temptations, of testing overcome them, will hear the rebuke of the Lord when he says in Revelation 2, 5, Repent! Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstead from its place unless you repent. We live in a time in which lampstands are being removed. The Church of England, the Episcopal Church, the ELCA, the PCUSA, United Methodists, and so many others are scratching the itch of their ears by denying the Scripture and replacing it with the whims of men, with the call of the culture, with the demand to conform. But as the Apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. So remember your first love, O Christian, and continue pursuing the Lord who pursued you first, who called you first, who loved you before we loved him. And let your love be demonstrated by the fruit of the works responding to that gospel message. And listen to the words of our Lord in Revelation 2, 7, when he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Going back to that garden. But this time, having access to the tree of life. Access to eternal life. Through the conqueror, Christ Jesus the King. For he has conquered our trials. He has overcome our temptations. He took up the tests of the law and he completed them upon that cross. Conquer in his banner, O Christian. Conquer in his name. Conquer your testing, your trials, your temptations. And the only way that we can overcome them, by relying upon God. By the power of his Holy Spirit, which he graciously lavishes upon each one of us in faith. And the third soul. The third soul is where I'm afraid so many church attendees, so many lifelong members, so many self-proclaimed Christians are currently residing. In this soul... The seed, the word of God, falls among the thorns. The thorns that sprouted after Adam's sin when God cursed the soul and made it to bear up the thorns, making our work difficult and to remind us of our sins, of our brokenness in our relationship with God. And Christ tells us that the thorny soul are those who are choking themselves with the thorns of this world. Jesus says, quote, they are those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the pleasures of life and the riches of this world. And their fruit, it does not mature. Their fruit rots and dies there on the vine. Because they do not find their life in Christ Jesus and resting upon Him and His Spirit. Instead, they do not bear fruit, but are like a fruitless fig tree, cursed by our Lord and withers away as they revel in their own desires and the delusion of demons and the distractions of this broken and fallen world. 
And I pray that this week that you didn't watch the Grammy Awards. I would not have even known about this awards show. Frankly, I just don't keep up with popular culture. Except for the reports about what had happened. And if you hadn't heard, in primetime television on CBS, for children and for adults to see alike was a performance, if you can call it that, by a homosexual man and a transgender man dressed as demons as they sing a song called Unholy. That's just simply one stark performance that occurs daily in this day and age. Because while that is highlighted, and Christians rightfully should repulse from that, and should shrink away from that and condemn it for what it is, we also miss out that every day it's snuck into children's books, pushed and peddled in local libraries, rolled out in local schools, placed in new movies, new TV shows, and boldly proclaimed across mediums to itch ears. So listen to the words of John's revelation in chapter 18. Fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a dwelling place for demons. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of a luxurious living. It rings true today, just as much as it did during John's time when he received the revelation. So what shall we do? Hear the voice from heaven that John records in his revelation in 18.4. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Whereas St. Paul tells us in Galatians 6.8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap death, but the one who sows from the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Christian, you cannot have one foot in this world and one foot out of it. Because the world is coming for you. Satan is coming after you, especially if you call yourself a Christian. Because the world, Satan, his kingdom, sin, it demands your life. It wants your life. And it will bear only one fruit, the fruit of death. And perhaps you think I overreact. But the battle lines were drawn long ago in the garden. And mankind crossed that line. And we continue crossing it. And keep breaking those same commandments, the ones we just recited. And we called out, Lord, have mercy upon us. Incline our hearts to keep this law. Because we need new hearts. We're dead men who need life. We need the Spirit of God to be enlivened by God to be servants of God. And even the way that we break commandments, even this culture we live in, it's not even new, because nothing new is under the sun. Except there is someone new. Someone who has come down to us. A new man, a new Adam who appeared when the timing was right. He descended so that we may ascend. And under this old sun that even now beats upon our backs, the Son of Man, the Son of God, visited us and offered His life so that we may eat from the tree of life and live. Babylon is fallen. So rejoice and pursue the kingdom of God. The path of Christ, O Christian, is a path of dying to the old man, dying to the old Adam, and it begins in being drowned in the waters and raised up to new life with a new spirit. It requires a heart transplant, 
a blood transfusion from the new Adam, the new creation, from God Himself, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we come in this gospel lesson to the last soil. The fourth soul is the only one that bears any fruit that lasts, that endures. And while the Lord Jesus remarks that only some of the soul receives that word favorably, like his promise to Elijah so long ago that he's preserved 7,000 who never bent the knee to Satan, which remember that 7,000 is a biblical number, a perfect number in biblical language. For it's a multiple of seven times a thousand. Indeed, speaking of multiplying, what we see here is the word of God hits the soul and it grows. And it not only produces, but it produces a hundredfold according to our Lord Jesus. Here we see the promise of God's implanted seed, His implanted Word, growing not only within us, but beyond us, and creating more seeds to cast out, to produce more life. Life in the form of more disciples of Christ and to the ends of the earth. What better way to celebrate World Mission Sunday than to wrestle this Lent with our sins to wrestle against the world, to wrestle against the flesh, to wrestle against the devil by allowing and letting the Spirit of God take hold of us and win the victory that Christ has accomplished for us upon the cross. So let us then serve our Lord. Let us get our hands dirty and put our hands to the plow by driving out the weeds from our soul, the thorns that are in our side, and casting the seed of the Lord across the whole face of the earth. From here in Shelby County to North America, from Honduras to England, until our labor is finished on this journey that is our life. And yet our life is not our own. And allow me now to relay some more good news to you. This past Wednesday, students at Ashbury University gathered together for chapel at noon. Much like what students at Beeson Divinity School do, gather together for chapel at noon. And these universities, college students, gather together for another chapel. It's supposed to be for an hour. Everyone gathers together and disperses. The message was on confession and repentance. And at the end of the hour, some students stayed and they continued praying, confessing, singing, worshiping, repenting, reading the scripture and hearing it more gathered and they have not stopped since Wednesday with others joining and staying as long as they can. Revival has hit Ashbury University and as of this morning when I checked they're continuing to worship to pray and to seek the Lord. Revival begins when we receive the Lord's grace, receive the Lord's word, heed the Lord's calling and do the Lord's work at home, in our neighborhoods and unto the ends of the earth. And yes, I use the R word, revival. And I know I'm in an Anglican church. But it's not reserved for Pentecostals. It's not reserved for Baptists or Methodists. There's no exclusion on that. We too believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. After all, we come here and by faith receive the body and blood of Christ through what the Spirit is doing and what He's working and continuing to work in each one of us who trust in Him in faith. And every one of us need a revival and reviving from the depths of our sins. That's why we gather together here. We will soon confess our sins and ask for God to revive us from the dead. And he will in faith in him. And I pray that God would daily revive us as a people. To bring revival not only to his church but to each one of us who sit in this room. Because revival 
is what we need on a daily basis. Revival is what Christ brought to us when he was risen from the dead. And Christ's body, his church, is revived every time we gather together and we celebrate the feast that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And as St. Paul tells us, let us no longer celebrate with that old leaven of malice, of jadedness, of slothfulness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and fidelity to Christ's gospel, which he has revealed and which man can never change. Let us not forget that how God has revealed us is as a consuming fire. There's nothing safe about God. There's nothing safe about his way. When he calls a man, he calls him and beckons him to die, for he wants all of us, not one foot in the world and one foot out of the world, but wants all of us to be set aflame like the light of God that Christ Jesus is, to shine in the darkness of a dark world. Because he will take the black soil of our own hearts, he will sink his roots within us when he plants that seed, and his seed will grow, and it will turn over that soil of our soul over and fill us up with his life, as his roots will grow deeper and deeper within your soul, and it will turn you over as he claims all of you. He will draw up our old life and give us a new one as he pours out his son's rays down upon us. And as we start to grow and bear out fruit, not of our own, but fruit of the Holy Spirit of God, from which he enlivens us. So no more shall we be bare soul with nothing but rocks or thorns or weeds. Now we will be a new creation here and now. We will have eternal life before our death in this world. A new creation. A new plant, a plant which we never even planted. Even the growth, even the fruit of our good works, it's all fruit rooted in that plant, rooted in that stem that comes from that seed of faith that Christ the gardener has planted within us. So remember, listener, remember that the seed is cast by the Lord and he casts it freely upon us, the soul. Receive that word and let him grow within you. Step out of the Lord's way this Lent and go forth and plant as Paul planted. Water as Apollo's water and praise God for the growth of his spirit, both within you and within those to whom you proclaim the word of the Lord. For his word does not return empty handed, we hear from the prophet Isaiah. What makes that good soul good? The word that's planted within it. It's received within us and those who hear that word those who hold fast to that seed that's not our own, those who cling to that seed of Christ crucified and resurrected in our hearts, we will see a new plant, new growth within us. Jesus tells us, as he tells the parable, to hold it fast and to bear fruit with patience. With patience. Our Lord says in John 12, 24, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a seed of wheat falls into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What does that mean for us as we approach our Lord's Lenten journey? It means that whoever loses his life shall gain it. But whoever loves his life will forfeit it. So let us heed the words of John twelve twenty five. Let us no longer love this life, but hate this life in this world. Let us instead love the life that God has given us and reap eternal life. For our Lord tells us, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there 
will my servant be also. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.